welcome to Let's Get Our Ship Together, a queer woman of color debrief on the latest in queer lady and POC representation in television and film. I'm Aphrodite. And I'm Amira. And we're a little bit late. You know, we, we posted on Twitter to let you know, hi, we have lives. Sorry, we weren't <laughs> able to, <laughs> to uh, check in with you last week. Yeah. And just to let you all know about what's been going on in our lives. I'm starting a job. Yay! Having a job kind of sucks. I have way less free time than I used to. I'm sleepy at earlier hours of the night. And so I haven't been on Tumblr as much. I just feel like I'm falling behind on fangirl duties. In a way, I'm... I'm sad for you, but I'm also happy to hear you say this because I'm like, oh my God, thank God it wasn't just me. (laughs) You know, my grad school experience was far more brief than yours. So I can only imagine (laughs) the culture shock you're experiencing. Yeah. Like going to bed hours thing, that really got to me. I used to stay up like 1 or 2 a.m. easily. And now like 8 p.m. I'm falling asleep on the couch. It's pathetic. And it also changes my viewing habits. And I don't like that. Yes, exactly. I know. That's why I always have to watch shows the next day on demand. I can't watch it live. I can't oh stay God, up that late. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that concession yet, but that <laughs> sounds terrible. Hold on as long as you can. I mean, once the fall TV season starts, I'm going to be like scrambling. Um, we just want to let all of you know that's part of the reason why like we've had some summer travels and then like moving and starting a new job. All of that has made it more difficult for us to record Mm -hmm. and edit and share with you all on a weekly basis so we're probably gonna switch and please don't hate us for it um maybe every other week we definitely want to be there for you as things are happening especially during the tv season we hope you'll understand so i wanted to give an update because only hours before uh, this call with amira I was screaming my head off in my apartment. I've calmed down since then. And the reason why I was screaming my head off is because I'm finally on Tumblr. And like, I should also mention that at my work, I have terrible cell reception. Ooh. And no Wi-Fi? And I don't have Wi-Fi either. And so I can't even look at gifts. There's nothing for me. So I have to wait until I'm back home to like... This, yeah, and what this is, is life without gifts? I, I mean. know, right? So I'm like scrolling through Tumblr. Up on my screen comes three gifts. Blue and pink magenta purple lighting. So it's already like mm-hmm. bisexual lighting. Yes. And there's two Asian girls and they're kissing. <gasps> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. I'm like screaming and screaming and screaming. And then I like see that someone had put the hashtag 1x02. That means they're only on episode two of season one of whatever show this is that features queer Asian girls kissing. What? So I did some homework immediately because I was like, oh, my God, this is breaking news. We have to break this news on the podcast. I'm like Googling and I find out it's on this show called Strangers and it's on ITV. And so I'm like, create an ITV account so I can stream this show before our podcast recording session. And then I find out you can only stream it if you're in the EU. And I'm like Googling and I'm looking for torrents and nothing, nothing is coming up. And I'm just like, fuck it. Let me try YouTube. And someone has <gasps> compiled just the scenes of the Asians speaking on the show. Bless. I know. Because this show actually revolves around a white guy. 
He's like a, a British guy who's, mm. um, whose wife died in Hong Kong. My family's from Hong Kong. I've been trying to practice Cantonese. Wow, what if I'm killing two birds with one stone? <laughs> it's in Cantonese and there are girls kissing. What That's amazing. If? Once I found out it's a show that revolves around this white guy and his grief, I'm like, mm, less interested. But then somebody on YouTube mm-hmm. has compiled just the clips of Asian speaking. Oh Even though God, I perfect. should mention this is a 60-minute show, the compilation <laughs> videos on YouTube are six to seven minutes long. Of course. So that's how you know that it revolves around a white yep. guy. I watched the first six or seven minute clip for episode one. Okay, okay, okay. Where do we meet the lesbians? Okay, okay, okay. And then I get <laughs> to the second episode, which is supposedly the episode where I saw those gifts from, right? And I'm really right. excited for this. And I'm coming up on like the five and a half minute mark. And then it's the daughter of the woman who's killed, who I think is half white, half Asian. And the girl that she's talking to has like a giant chest tattoo all over her. I'm like, wow, this is queer. I'm into it. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm listening to their kind of flirtatious exchange. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the video cuts out. <gasps> I don't even get to watch what? them kiss. I don't even get to watch they them They didn't include kiss. it on purpose or like what? I don't know. I'm just shocked by it all. This all unfolded in the last 20 minutes before we oh spoke, Amira. Yeah, I'm still really All the excitement from discovering this show that I wanted to put everyone on alert to and then to find out that it revolves around a white person and then finding out that somebody put together just the clips of Asian people speaking. You know, <sighs> this is like a treasure hunt. So close. So close. I know. I really thought I solved this one. I really thought I cracked it. Whoever was editing this, I might message them privately on YouTube and ask them what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe they were worried that YouTube's weirdly new homophobic guidelines would oh. remove the video if they had it on there. But I don't know. All I want are two girls kissing and speaking Cantonese with each other. Is that too much to ask? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's really not. I just wanted to relay that story because I feel like I'm not the only fangirl who's gone through this struggle. There are other fangirls (laughs) who have gone through literally this exact same struggle. I know. Already. This also feels like a uniquely queer person of color fangirl Mm -hmm. struggle. Because mm-hmm. I'm like out here looking for Gaijin content and I think that I found it. And then I'm realizing, oh, it revolves around white people. And then, like, yes. yeah, you know. Yep, yep. And I feel like only a show with a white male protagonist could afford to have Gaijins making out in the second episode of the Ugh. first season, you know. <laughs> Hardly making out, though. Give them to me kissing. I'm willing to go to illegal means to <laughs> watch this one clip. I'm willing to do a lot. <sighs> I understand. Thank you. I understand and I don't blame you one bit. Well, I didn't even announce what this week's topic was. And it's the topic we've been waiting to talk about for the longest time. Yes. So we are finally, finally, finally doing our podcast episode about Xena, Warrior Princess. Oh my gosh. Um, you all know her. She's the mighty princess forged in the heat of battle. She is our personal heroine. And we mean that also in the drug sense. Yes. <laughs> we, we are hopelessly addicted to Xena and Lucy Lawless. Yes. It goes both ways for me. Yeah. Xena is our queer icon. Xena and Gabrielle are the original OTP. Mm-hmm. There was no OTP before Xena and Gabrielle. They taught us about the power of love and friendship. The fandom taught us about the power of fandoms. (laughs) 
at the risk of us blabbing on for literally hours about Xena, we did put together a somewhat structured format. But we're not promising that we won't be talking about Xena again in the oh, future. Oh, there will be tangents. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> There's no guarantee of that. You're talking to two Xenites here. There's no way we can only do one podcast episode about Xena, but we'll try to limit ourselves and yeah. space them out. Obviously, spoilers, because you've had many, many years to watch the show mm-hmm. by now. So yep. you really only have yourself to blame if you haven't watched so true, let's talk true. about this. Neither of us can separate Dina from our queerness. How did Dina make us gay? I want you to answer this question first because I really love your story. Oh, you mean my diary entry? Your diary <laughs> entry. <laughs> yeah. Earlier this year at Clexicon, I shared a little snippet from my personal diary. We can insert an audio clip of oh, the yeah, video yeah, I yeah, took yeah. of you reading it. Here's my entry. June 24th. 2001. I realized that Zena and Gabrielle were ready to die for one another. They were soulmates. Okay, so they seem kind of bisexual and attracted to each other and men. I want to know who my soulmate is. If I died, would my heart or spirit remain in the heart of my soulmate just like Zena's soul belonged to the heart of Gabrielle? Could my soulmate be male or female? If that person was female, I don't know if I'd be a lesbian or just be best friends forever. <laughs> that was one of the most beautiful things I think I'd ever heard in my life. Oh. And then like I go on and on about I have to spend the rest of my life searching for this one soulmate person who could be like the Gabrielle to my Zena. Within my lifetime, could I possibly find the Gabrielle? Considering that what Zena and Gabrielle had together was so rare and beautiful. It was destiny. How did Zena make me gay? A lot of the themes in the show about soul connection and it's very clear that Zena and Gabrielle have a really deep bond that transcends the physical realm even and because they're reincarnated throughout history and they still find each other I think it was that idea of seeing past the other person's gender and loving them completely that really resonated with me when I was younger and made me think oh wait that's the kind of love I'm interested in not one that's necessarily involving a man I came out as bisexual first and then I later came out as lesbian same yeah (laughs) I think seeing the way that they connected with each other seeing how it transcended the body made me realize that love can actually be far more powerful than a man and a woman my experience with Zena was a little bit different because I wasn't as head over heels into it when I was a kid watching it on tv I remember thinking that Gabrielle was cute I thought that Aphrodite was cute really no as a kid watching I was like hmm those people make me feel a little funny when they're on the screen, (laughs) you know, and not really putting it together. But the thing I remember the most that really hit me when I was a kid was that these were two women who were constantly telling each other how much they loved each other Mm. on screen, really meaning it. And like the looks in their eyes when they looked at each other and say, I love you. Wow. Like, I can't believe people can do that. (laughs) You know, I mean, and I grew up in a home where my heterosexual parents weren't even that loving with one another, at least not in front of me. So it was just a weird awakening. Women can also say that to each other. And I kind of like that. And so I kind of like stashed that away in a box somewhere in my mind for years. And then in college, I remember so distinctly, I was on Netflix browsing their selection. This was back in the uh, disc delivery days before they switched vendors. So it was like, okay, let me not look at the DVDs. Let me actually look at what I can stream right now. And Xena popped up. It was like remembering it from like a dream. Oh my God, I love this show. And it was like putting it all together. Oh my God. Oh my God, this is... 
this is like when I had like gay feelings. I had gay feelings for the show <laughs> when I was a kid. And look at me now. I'm a look gay. Look at you now. Look at and you now. I ran out of my room and I told my room. I was like, oh my God, you guys, I just found Xena on Netflix. And one of them goes, are you kidding? And I was like, no, I can't believe it either. I'm so excited. And she goes, no, I mean, are you kidding? Like you actually watched that show? And I was like, Fuck wow, you. wow. All right. And so I just went in my room and I watched probably all of season one that night, just soaking it all in and reliving my childhood feelings and putting the pieces together. This magical moment where I was like, this is it. This is who I was meant to be. I was meant to be a Z night. I have to say, fuck you to that person. We are no longer friends. Of course not. That's unacceptable. (laughs) I know. How dare they? You have to have excellent taste to watch the show. Oh, and she had terrible taste. No. I'm mad. I'm still mad. (laughs) Imagine me. I was mad for years after that. It was close to when she and I stopped being friends over another issue. But of course, you know. Straw that broke the camel's back right there. (laughs) But it was around that time that you and I met and we locked eyes across the outbar picnic table. That was so beautiful. At the mention of Xena's name. That's a really good segue into our next topic, which is meeting other Xenites. I really feel like this is that kind of show with that kind of fandom that really brings people together. Oh, absolutely. Because we're so few in number compared to other fandoms. Yeah. But it's so strong. When people have mentioned Xena, I've gotten very excited and then subsequently disappointed. When they refer to Gabby as Gabriella. Oh, oh. Do you know what honey. I'm talking about? Yes. Like, people are like, oh, no, I love that show. I love Xena and Gabriella. Or like, even if they just say, oh, and, and what's her name or what's his name about any of the characters? I'm like, okay, you're not on my level. No, definitely disappointing for me. But when you meet another Xena, it's something else. Because the show had such rich and deep themes of friendship and love, it's hard to not also feel a connection to other people for whom those themes also resonated. Because you're talking about people who really are the ultimate romantics, if you think about it. Fate true. and destiny, soul connection. It's about fighting for the things that you believe in. It's about having your beliefs tested and challenged. Zena and Gabby had conflicting views about a number of things, and they had to, like, work that out. When you meet a Xenite, it's like nothing else. I remember when I first messaged you, we were kind of acquaintances at the time. We'd hung out in very casual settings, but we weren't close. And then I heard about Xenacon, and I knew I wanted to go because it was going to be the last one. They said it was going to be the last Xenacon ever. And I was like, I really need to go. I'm probably going to go by myself. But what if this new friend of mine wants to come with me? Um, and that's why I messaged oh, you on Facebook. And you responded immediately, immediately yeah. with a yes. Yeah. And I knew that that was our friendship cemented. I mean, what was it like for you once we got to Xenacon and you saw us in numbers? It was a magical experience because, I mean, besides you, of course, I had only ever met people who were maybe casual fans of the show. Rah, rah, go strong women blah 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 but they didn't actually get the deepness of the show and what it meant for the queer community much less literally knowing all the episodes by name and like (laughs) we're rewatching all six seasons Mm -hmm. multiple times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we come to this place full of women who have custom made apparel with like quotes from the show on it their own artwork of course there were people selling things but i'm talking about the general public who was attending the event they made these things just to go and there were women who were like we've been here since the first ever xenocon and it was just like a few of us this is amazing we have found our sisterhood i remember i used to have a spreadsheet that i printed out and i kept by the tv and it was basically a listing of all the xena episodes and i would put Mm -hmm. a check for each time i watched the episode 
because I was waiting for them on rerun. Yeah. I mean, this is, I guess, before DVDs became a huge thing. Every time I watched When Fates Collide, there was two or three check marks as I'm waiting for them to cycle through through syndication. Once I realized that there are bigger Xena fans than us, I was blown away. I know. I, I admire these people. Their level of commitment is incredible. A great example of that is once Xenacon ended, fans started the Xenite retreat. And we met some of those organizers, not just at Xenacon, but also at Klexicon. And then I saw them again in Motor City Con in Detroit when Lucy Lawless was there. Xenite retreat, which you and I need to go to. Oh, absolutely. Set aside my vacation days or something. Xenite retreat (laughs) is an outdoor camping retreat for Xena fans in Southern California. People from the show actually go. Actors, Steven Sears goes like on a regular basis. So it's pretty cool just to be like kind of hanging out with the celebrities <laughs> casually. <laughs> We've met the organizers and they're fantastic people. And the way they describe the activities to us, everything is themed. The Amazons, yeah. the Valkyries, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. They make it super fun. The fans are what makes Xena what it is. One of the reasons the show resonated so well within the queer community, Lucy Lawless actually talked about this in a recent interview that I sent you on Twitter after that. I can't believe you. Really great It was a interview. fantastic, really eye-opening interview. And so Lucy Lawless says, in the context of talking about their uh, queer fan base, she says, the name Xena means stranger. She felt that she was irredeemable. That friendship between Xena and Gabrielle transmitted some message of self-worth, deservedness, and honor to people who felt very marginalized. So it had a lot of resonance in the gay community. That couldn't be more true. Obviously, Xena has a troubled past because she was like a legit terrible person and a criminal. But because the series Xena starts with her path to redemption, it was easier for queer people to kind of latch onto that character and and understand, you know, when people make you feel marginalized and Mm -hmm. you are just trying to like be better and do good in the world. Looking over this interview with Entertainment Weekly, it's with Lucy Lawless, Renee O'Connor, and Rob Tapert, who's Lucy's husband and also one of the co-creators and executive producers. There's some like very interesting tidbits that come out of that interview that we didn't know before. I'm guessing that a lot of fans weren't aware of the kind of stuff that was happening behind the scenes. At one point, the network was so nervous about Xena and Gabrielle being perceived as lesbians that they didn't want them in the same shot together for the opening sequence. This was a very different time. It was the 90s. (laughs) It was a different time. And it's I it sounds funny to say because I feel like it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, I mean, it was it was like 20 years ago. So also controversial, which is that Renee O'Connor liked the ending. Mm, yeah Even though Lucy, I know. Lucy regrets the ending she feels like it did a disservice to it, the fans which it did and then Renee O'Connor felt like that was a brave thing to do writing wise with the ending of the show so I, I thought mean it was that certainly was... brave given the venom they received from the oh <laughs> fans my god the fans but, are still you know... angry just to describe yeah. to you what happened at the Xena panel at Clexicon you could feel oh. the tension in the room when we got to discussion of the season finale was, do you remember it that? Was buzzing yeah it, oh yeah. I remember I it remember. was palpable you could have cut that with Xena sword yourself <laughs> Flung a shocker right through it. We were all talking about the series finale of Xena and the barrier gaze trope. So I was on the panel and you were sitting in the front row. I was looking out at the crowd and anytime anyone said anything, I saw people shaking their head or nodding their head. It was also a packed room and the line was around the corner just to get into this smaller panel. This was Uh, a shockingly and heartwarmingly 
popular panel. Oh, and yeah. they put us in way too small of a room. The video is up if you want to watch that Klexicon panel. But I'm telling you from the panelist perspective, as I was watching this all take place, I was watching my words very carefully because I was like, what if yeah. there's a riot? <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I ended mean, 17 years ago and you're still mad. People are still yeah. this mad about the series finale because it gives you so many conflicting feelings all i can think about is gabrielle having to go on without her Mm. without the love of her life and soulmate and that's what really crushes me i mean i get it from the whole mentor mentee perspective and xena's arc was done she finally felt redeemed blah 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 like gabrielle has learned everything she could possibly learn but it's like we know that it was about more than that and i think that's part of the frustration with the ending is that it was reduced to that kind of friendship mentorship but not the relationship Mm. i brought up in an earlier episode like my conception of the barrier gaze trope, mm-hmm. which is that mm-hmm. if it forwards the character's own story arc, I'm much more forgiving than if it would forward someone else's arc. Right. But that was part of the debate. And I think in a lot of ways, even though it tore the fans apart, the ending also brought a lot of fans together. There were the Xena virtual seasons, which are fan-written episodes yes. of the show after A Friend in Need. And the opening episode is A Friend Indeed. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's perfect. And so they obviously find a way to bring Xena back in the virtual seasons. And there were also those supposedly canon comic books. Yes. Following the series that also brought her back. Yeah. Yeah. Fans kept things alive even. Yes. They kept Xena alive. Literally. Yeah. They really did. Yeah. (laughs) October of 2001, so the, so the same year that the series ended, and they released these episodes on a weekly basis. 19 episodes in season 7, and then they went all the way through season 10. Um, <gasps> so this continued until 2005. That's um, amazing. Imagine how different our lives would have been if there had been 10 seasons of Xena. <laughs> wow! Yeah. The Xena fandom is absolutely incredible and I actually still feel like even though obviously the Klexer shippers launched their whole movement too I really think they need to continually give credit to the Xenites who like started oh, this for shit sure. before Klexicon there was Xenicon queer women have been banding together for far longer than the youngins like to believe every time I see that meme that names Klexa as the warrior ship or whatever I'm like come on no come no. on Xena, warrior, princess. It's in her name. How could you get that wrong? It's like I always say, Xena did it first and Xena did it better. Boom. And that applies to everything. I will say that our attachment to Xena, it ages me in the queer community. That's true. It does. Because (laughs) most other Xena fans are a decade or so older than us. We're on the younger side. We're definitely on the younger side. not on the younger side of queer shippers in general. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're also right on the cusp of people who watch Xena as it was airing versus Mm. younger people who got into the Xena fandom when it came back on Netflix. In the Xenite fandom, there are the folks who watched it live as it was going. And oh my God, what would it have been like to be an out lesbian watching shit like Xena play out in real time? Can you imagine if you saw Xena and Gabrielle kissing for the first time on live television? So in preparation for the Klexicon panel, I actually read some like fan testimonies about Uh the first time they watched The Quest which is the first episode where the subtext between Xena and Gabrielle is not so subtexty. Their first kiss. Although there were arguments from the straight people's side that it wasn't a kiss because Xena was in Autolycus's body, but whatever. Yeah, but Uh, they definitely kissed before the scene transitioned and 
Xena grabbed Gabrielle's ass. Yes. I can't change my mind about that. Don't there you me. go. Because Autolycus was surprised that his own hand was there. So I'm reading fan testimonies. To be an out queer woman at that time, you must have called up every single one of your friends. Freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I can't believe I just saw this on TV. Two lead protagonists of a show who are both women just kissed each other. I feel like the only thing that would compare in that time would have been watching Ellen's The Puppy episode. I mean, as an out lesbian and, you know, yes. <laughs> calling up your, no, calling up your bike buddies on the lion line, you know. Part of the reason why the network was so nervous about Xena giving off right. lesbian vibes because of the backlash that came after Ellen's show. I should also note that even though the puppy episode was a big deal, Ellen was not ever shown really kissing people. No, she was just out. It aired in 97. 97, which is after Xena aired. Oh, yeah, because the quest was season two, right? It could have been right around that same time. We have to find out the actual dates on this. Okay, okay, the okay. The quest okay. I'm looking, I'm on date. It. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, the quest, the sem- Okay, oh, my God. That's the, wrong, the wrong quest. Um <laughs> Okay, friends are typing. Yeah, February 3rd, 1997. And then I'm going to type in. This one was April 30th, the puppy episode. Yeah. Which means the quest aired before Ellen came out. Yeah. (gasps) Interesting. But you know, the network was already worried from before Ellen happened. And because Ellen's show got canceled. Yeah. So So they were extra worried in those later seasons. That's crazy. I know. I did not realize that. We're learning things as we're recording this. So the other topic we wanted to talk about is, you know, there's been a lot of rumors and buzz about a Xena reboot, which apparently Mm -hmm. is now dead in the water. Um, They said that I just, it goes back and forth. When there was an announcement about the Xena reboot, like fans were crying out for a hero, for (laughs) for a reboot with the original cast, with Lucy Lawless and with Renee O'Connor. We were all on board. And then another year went by and then another year went by and it was like, is this reboot going to happen? Then it became clear that Lucy and Renee would not be cast in their original roles. Right. And that there were some creative differences going on in the writing room and people were not able to agree on something or other. I remember like somebody left the project. And then in the interview with Rob and Lucy and Renee, they're talking about the prospect of a reboot. And again, they're saying that it wouldn't involve the original cast. To be fair, I mean, they've been saying for years that they would, one, they said that they would do a Xena movie because Hercules got movies. And Lucy Lawless, to this day, says that she thinks that that was a waste of a franchise, that they didn't do a movie. Yeah. And so for like a while after, years after, she kept saying, I, I would still be down to do a movie. I'd be down to do a movie. And then the talks of the reboot happened and both of them still were like, yeah, we'll do that too. Why not? And then it just time kept passing by. And now they're like, you know what? I don't think we could do that anymore. (laughs) No, a movie would have made sense. Like the best way for the reboot to have happened is a movie with the original cast where they pass on the mantle and then have a TV show with a new cast. Like, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly that that's, that would make the most sense. That's the only way they would be able to appease all the fans because no matter what they were going to do, the fans are going to be pissed if Lucy and Renee were not completely on board. You could have Lucy and Renee and you could have Ted come back as Joxer. I feel like they'd have a really hard time getting Hudson. Um, oh yeah, she's, she's over it. Yeah, she's, but... she's not acting anymore. Yeah. You would definitely get Alex Tidings as Aphrodite. Um, oh yeah, She yeah. would be so down. Get... Did you already say Adrian Wilkinson? Adrian Wilkinson. Eve. I would love a reboot where it's kind of fun and even campy. Tongue-in-cheek. Exactly the same humor that we got with the original show. Something a little bit weird. (laughs) 
a little weird <laughs> and very meta and self-referential. That would yes. be great, right? Yeah, they have to like cater to the fans. I mean, the fans, the diehards, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like give us those obscure Easter egg references to the original series, yes, please, because we're going to get every single one of them and love them so much. Yeah, that would have been the right way to do it. <sighs> but most importantly, of course, it needs to be super, super outwardly queer. Yes, explicitly so. Not just Zena and Gabrielle being in a relationship, but, you know, Aphrodite, goddess of love. Yeah. Canonically, in Greek mythology, I guess pansexual is the best label for her. So yeah. I'm like, why are they just showing her with guys all the time? And Come now on. you have a queer actress who could play your queer Aphrodite. Yes. Um, Which she would have been down for before. Anyway, oh, yeah. But yeah, it's even better now. I would have loved to see Aphrodite with women fawning all over her. Mm. Let's say a reboot happens. Let's just imagine the best case scenario where we get all the things we wanted. Already got our Xena movie with the original cast. And we get a TV show with a new cast. Lucy has has stated her support for a future Xena who's a woman of color. That would just be incredible. I think it would be. I think it would be almost as if Xena were a title that were passed down. Mm. And so the next one would still be known as Xena. I mean, it would be great, obviously, if both leads were women of color, but at the very least have it be the new Xena. <laughs> have the new Xena be a woman of color. And so I remember when fans were really mad about Lucy not playing Xena in the reboot. Part mm-hmm. of me was like, but what if, what if whoever takes up this mantle could come from a different community? I would have been super on board with a woman of color Xena, even if it would mean Lucy wouldn't get to play the role again. One thing that was interesting about the original series is that you had a black Cleopatra too, like they mm-hmm. didn't try to whitewash her. There were like women of color in the Amazon nation and, and obviously Lao Ma who are like powerful, multi-dimensional characters on yeah. the show where it wasn't like, oh, because you're black or brown, you're a slave. I like that too. And not even just the lead characters, but the extras when you look in the background, I mean, cause they filmed in, New Zealand. And I feel like the background characters were also very diverse, Mm -hmm. you know, more so than, than maybe certain parts of ancient Greece would have looked, but they were like, yeah, I mean, this is our, this is our cast. So this is who we're putting in the shot. Because if you think about it, Xena as a character is already defying gender norms. A woman warlord, now Mm -hmm. hero who is marching through villages, saving lives, kicking ass. To have a woman of color be that badass Yes. Would be really amazing. It would be powerful. I think one thing that I struggle with in a lot of shows that feature characters of color is that they have to show those characters of color suffering. I Uh, know. And it's like, we see this in real life. Why do we have to watch more? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I don't want to watch women get abused or raped. And I don't want to watch people of color get shot. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Even though that's what happens on Black Lightning. It's very hard. I know. I, I know, I know. Black but at least that show is, I mean, I don't know. I would put that in a separate category. It's no, not a no. show of white people where the black people are getting shot. Correct, correct. I want to escape into a version of history that's fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, it's an escape for us. It's a happy place. And yeah. I feel like a lot of shows that want to show that gritty side of it, we're not the audience that's intended. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. the audience, the intended audience are the people who don't know that it's already like that. So they're like trying to teach them, look how hard life is yeah. for minorities. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, we know. We want to see a happy life. I mean, Xena's not a superhero. She doesn't have a quote unquote superpower. She's just mm-hmm. really fucking badass. Yeah. And like does flips from the cliff and then lands on the boat or whatever. Oh but my like- God. <laughs> Don't get me started on yeah, that I know, I know exactly which one I you're know, talking about. I, I mean, when you think about it, do we have that many women of color superheroes? Halle Berry played Catwoman 
Um, right. And we have characters in the Marvel universe. But to see a woman of color be the lead face of a franchise, that would yeah. just be like that would be groundbreaking. Wrong. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's kind of like why I would like to see an entire movie about Wakanda. Um, <sighs> I know that doesn't necessarily revolve around Black Panther. I'm just saying. And it would also, I mean, just as a very small side note, give an opportunity to some stunt women of color Ooh, as yes. well. Zena would not have been possible were it not for the amazing efforts of Zoe Bell. But she wouldn't be able to, yeah. <laughs> to stunt for a woman of color. That means we get some women of color stunt doubles. Oh, absolutely. Which would be really cool. And put them on the map. I mean, Zoe Bell went on to do a lot of great stuff. Like, mm-hmm. she was Uma, Uma Thurman's double in Kill Bill. Honestly, like, Xena launched launched the careers of women stunt doubles, period. Because after Xena yes. came... Buffy and Alias, other shows and movies that feature women kicking ass. And like Zoe Bell was the first name that popped up for a lot of people. But then other stunt doubles came in too. Yeah, because in all those fights, I mean, Xena's fighting other women all the time. There's just women fighting constantly. Amazons. Amazons. You know, the Amazons. What's that documentary called where they're talking about stunt doubles and they... Like Linda Carter's in it, you know, they're talking about the Wonder Woman. Oh, I know exactly which one. Anyway, Lucy Lawless and Zoe Bell are both featured in it, but they're talking about how much harder it is for female stunt doubles because they wear so much less padding. And that's very evident in those Amazon scenes because they're basically Mm. wearing like crop tops and shorts um, and have to like really take a beating and like do flips and hit the ground. And anyway, those women were super, super amazing. The documentary is called Double Dare and it's from 2004. Yes, it's thank you. an hour and 21 minutes. I always like to promote films that are less than 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I think that's the type of Xena we would like to see. Mm-hmm. I am actually keeping up with the comics. The more recent ones have been pretty good. I wish they were a little queerer, but maybe they will get to be. One thing that they did do is they start over from the beginning. So you see Xena and Gabrielle meeting for the first time. <gasps> oh. So that's why it's not quite queer yet I think because okay. they still are getting to know each other but we'll see I'll keep you posted on that please do so we talked about fan stuff fan feelings around Xena there's way more that we could talk about we yeah. could talk for days we really could we really could <laughs> for your sake and maybe for ours too since we're supposed to have lives and sleep at normal hours and go to work in the morning oh I really do want there to be a reboot even if it wasn't perfect I want something to be obsessed with I kind of want something for the new generation because first of all it might inspire people to go back and watch the original series secondly I just I kind of want people to know about what started it all our next episode we will do in early october and it'll be in preparation for the premiere of black lightning we need there to be way more queer content in season two and we may also talk about the legend of Korra comics for any of you korasami shippers out there legend of Korra, Mm -hmm. some black lightning and hopefully there'll be some new development with this stranger show that i am following very closely now I hope that works out for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will definitely be back again soon and feel free to reach out to us. And if you guys subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter, then you will stay up to date and in the loop about our upcoming episodes. So be sure to do that. Z-Nights Unite! To a strong Amazon nation! Okay, that's our best. That's what we can do. Bye!